You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love those early rolls. <laughs> Keeping them humble. All right, guys. How much will we see of Kadarius Tony against Tennessee? First of all, Eric Bieniemy said... Tony is a heck of a player this week, but the team doesn't plan to exhaust him. The expectation to mix him in, make him feel comfortable and confident, but they don't want to rush the kid into anything. Also, Andy Reid said, I love this. He goes, there's one football and a few guys we'd like to get the ball to. He's looking forward to getting him in the mix, but he's not going to learn the offense in one day. So it sounds like not a lot of Tony, but what do we think? Uh, I don't know. Eight, 10 snaps, one touch. I assume that in the first quarter, they'll let him touch the football once. I don't know if it's going to be like a short pass or something designed, but I bet I bet he'll get his hands on the football one time in this game and he'll play like eight to ten snaps ish. By the way, Eric Bienemy saying someone's a heck of a player. He said that about like 40 players. <laughs> so it's hard for me to, to to read into that as being the reasoning behind why he's going to play him. But I also don't think that they traded for him to just never use him this year. I think it's more about next year, but I don't think that they thought let's trade for this guy in the middle of the season, then never, ever try to use him. I think they're going to try to figure out what they have at some point this season. So going back to the Niners game and Christian McCaffrey's in the offense and they kind of downplayed what his role would be. They said maybe, you know, 15 plays, we've got a red zone package. Then all of a sudden first drive of the game, boom, Christian McCaffrey's on the field, getting touches, doing everything, running all over the chiefs. And I think it was Jeff Schwartz who on Twitter said, you know, it's kind of funny acting like Christian McCaffrey needs time to get acclimated to an offense. They were literally handing him the ball and say, <laughs> before each play, they're saying, hey, run over here. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is a run to the left. Hey, here's a toss play. Here's a sweep. Like these guys, if you, if you simplify things to a certain extent, they can be useful right away if they're skilled players. I get it. Kadarius Tony is not Christian McCaffrey, but what he does well is not something that should take much time to get acclimated to the offense. It may take him two, three months, or maybe even into next year for him to really learn the route tree and, and be doing all these different things across the offense. But in terms of what he does well, good in open space, I, I bet you he catches a, a screenplay. Like they're going to run a screenplay or they'll use him like they use McColl versus the Niners where you're doing these things, these misdirection plays in the red zone or you don't know if it's going to be a run. Is it going to be a pass? Is it going to be one of these little touch pass things? That's where I think Tony is really useful. I don't know how much you're going to see him going downfield on Sunday, but I could totally see him doing a lot of stuff near the line of scrimmage. It feels like with him, like we talked about, like with Sky Moore, it's like they, they do kind of have to, it's actually kind of important as much as this trade, like we said about next year. It's actually really important for the next eight weeks to figure out what you have because that informs what you do. If it turns out you got a steal, you robbed the Giants and Tony's the goods, which I'm not banking on, but let's just say happens. Well, then maybe it's easier, Nick, 
you had asked about Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe it's easier to not pay Juju Smith-Schuster and, and keep trying to patchwork quilt this thing together for the next few years until you can draft your next superstar wide receiver, right? Maybe you can cheat by yourself a little bit of time, but you got to kind of know what you have. Otherwise you're going to let like, can he, or this, can he at least be McColl so that like the Juju, you're not looking for a McColl and Juju replacement. And I think that's what you're looking for. I am a little surprised. They've never really used sky that way, but I, I do assume they'll have something for him. But I don't think that it's going to be all that much this first week, Kayla. I think it's probably grows as the season goes. I like what Pat said this week. He said, when you have competition in the room, it brings out the best in everybody. Um, He said they're looking forward to using the talent in this offense to take it to another level. He said he's bigger than he thought, and he's excited to get him into this culture and team to see what he can do. But I like that about the competition because then people are going to be fighting for that spot and wanting to be out there. Do you think of like uh, Brett Feach, um, there were a couple of stories about after Tony got here and Andy Reid essentially confirmed that Brett Feach was talking to him in the pre-draft process and then tried to trade for him earlier mm-hmm. ahead of the draft. And I was I, I was battling between do, or, do I want to be an optimist right now or a pessimist right now? Because the pessimist in me would be like, all right, man, um, you're too obsessed with him. You're not seeing that he hasn't performed at the NFL level. And you're letting all of these decisions and opinions you had about him in 2018, 19 decide that he's worth a third round pick. Now you got to back off. You are way too interested in this player. Like you're not, you're not seeing the forest through the trees. Right. And so, but then the, the, the optimist side would be like, no, they had an idea for how he was going to fit in their offense for the last three years. They still watch him play and think he fits in their offense. And they're immediately going to execute the version they thought worked for him. So I think a lot of it is, which road do you want to take? Do you feel like being an optimist today and deciding that that three-year obsession with Kadarius Tony, two-year obsession with Kadarius Tony is a good thing? It means they have got an idea for him or that Brett Veach gave up too much for a guy that they had decided they liked for years. I'm already like, barring him being released this season or this offseason, I don't think there is any outcome that would have leave me feeling like the chiefs gave up too much or that that trade was a mistake. I don't think there's anything because it's just a risk and you understand. And even if it goes yes. poorly, you're like, yeah, hey, you took a chance. I get because it. That's what, that's what I want to see every single year. As long as you have Patrick Mahomes playing like this, I want to see you maximizing the chances of him running the best offense in the NFL. And you do that by taking swings at players who you think are really talented and who fit into the offense. And you're going to miss like that's that's just going to happen. You missed on you. You, you may have missed on Nicole Hardman. Who knows what will happen with Sky Moore? You may have missed on Clyde Edwards. Hilaire. But if you get one of those right, all it takes is one. And that player gets your offense to the next level. Doesn't even have to do it for four years. Doesn't have to do it for two years. If he can do it for one season and in that one season, it pushes your offense to the next level. It pushes your offense over the top and you win a Super Bowl. It'll be worth it. You're not going to do it every year. You're going to miss more often than you're going to hit, but all it takes is one. We know I'm very high on Brett Veach here. So if he likes this guy and if he's confident in Tony, then I am also confident in Tony. It's like there's only two positions that I waver on Veach. Everything else, I'm like, great job. No questions. No notes. Uh, Wide receiver and defensive end. Are the ones I'm like, can we say something though? <laughs> can we say something though specifically about wide receiver? Is that we do this thing with player acquisition versus in-game stuff. 
where we attribute everything to Veach and player acquisition and everything to Andy Reid and in-game stuff. Oh, interesting. I mean, let's be real here. Andy Reid, the, the Chiefs aren't trading for Kadarius Tony unless Andy Reid wants him, right? Probably. He doesn't come to Andy Reid and say, hey, by the way, we're trading for Kadarius Tony. Hope you can find a spot for him in the offense. He so asks, does those, this guy fit in the offense? They're making those decisions together. And I think in the pre-draft process, Andy's probably really involved. In season, I doubt he's watching tape on Kadarius Tony. But going back to before the draft, it wasn't just that Brett Veach was obsessed with him. I'm sure Andy Reid's like, ooh, I like that. I could do some stuff with that. And so you file that away. And then all of a sudden, as your GM, and you realize, okay, this guy might be available, I go back to those conversations I had with Andy Reid a year ago and say, hey, you still want this guy? Because we think we can get him. Excellent point, Nick. Thank you. Do I win that one? Yes. Wait, is it a contest now? <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Killing it. I won the other one. She just didn't say it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, really quick, this has nothing to do with anything. Does Pat prefer Pat or Patrick? Is it like a Matthew, Matt Stafford thing? Uh, where you're not was... supposed to ever say Matt. You're only supposed to say Matthew. Is it? I would say Pat because I feel it's, like we're friends. It's been years, but his mom once went on a Twitter rant about this. Said, oh, it's Patrick. Oh, I so, feel like that's a classic mom answer. His dad is Pat. Mm. OK, so look, I don't think I care. And he's not currently listening to this podcast that I'm aware of. So you can probably <laughs> just keep calling him Pat. I think it's one of those like when you're that famous, people are going to call you a bunch of different versions of your name. Because he might not also like if you were friends, if you called him Patty. But it's not that someone's never posted that on the Internet or I've so, also right. Him Patty. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fine. Patty Mahomes. Right. Or Pat. I think Patrick is his mother's preference for what he gets called. I don't think it really matters on, on our end. OK. Just wanted to clear that up. Thank you, guys. It is time for game predictions. Who's kicking us off? I'll do this. I think I didn't go first the last time because I, I I think the last like four times I've said somebody else, I went first and it wasn't accurate. So I can go first this time. Okay. I want to be really bullish on the Chiefs and just say they're going to win by a million because I this is another team that I definitively think they're better than and so does Las Vegas. But I don't think they're covering the 12 and a half. I think mm -hmm. they'll win because of the better team. I think they'll win because they had a buy. Um, and I think that you know, like Derrick Henry will get his, but it's not going to cost them the game. But in the end, no matter what, it seems like these games are always a little uglier than I think they should be. So I'll take the Chiefs 27 to 21. Okay. Uh, my turn. Okay. I'm, I'm still marveling at this uh, offensive arsenal that Tennessee is currently boasting. It's, it's bad. It's really bad. It's, it's so bad. bad. Making me rethink some of the things I said about the Colts earlier this year. I have stats to that point, but keep going. Okay. Who the hell is Hassan Haskins? None of these people are real wide receivers. <laughs> the Titans have only thrown the ball 30 plus times once, and that was in week one. The Chiefs have thrown the ball 30 plus times in all seven games this season. When the Titans throw the ball 30 or more times, they are 11 and 12 since 2019. That's fourth worst. And when the Titans throw less than 30 times, they are 26 and seven. Yeah, because if you make them try to play catch up, it's impossible. Exactly. <laughs> they they have six passing touchdowns in seven games. Didn't Are you have five in a game this year? <laughs> Are you kidding me? How is this possible? Okay. 
I know we do this. We hype ourselves up for 42 minutes and then we do these game predictions. And with the exception of the Bills game, we're all just like cheats by a million. I don't even know how this one's going to be close. I get it. We do it every week. But also, I think it's going to win by a million and I don't think it's going to be close. (laughs) Well, I'll take the Chiefs 34, Titans 16. Whoa. Yeah. He thinks it's just a Sunday night beatdown. Okay. Bad team. I still have that, what we talked about at the top in my head about something against the Titans that we have a hang up on. So I have Chiefs 32, Titans either 28 or 21. I'm not sure they're capable of scoring 28, Kayla. So if I were you, I'd go with 21. 21. Okay. Have they scored 28 Titans 21. No. They haven't? They've scored 24 twice against the Raiders and the Colts. Okay, yeah, we'll stick with 21. Two of the league's worst teams. <laughs> That's Those are the two teams they managed to score 24 against? Yeah, I mean... They didn't even score... T- they had 300 yards rushing. They didn't even get to 24 against the Texans last week? You know the Titans have the... 17. Okay. They're getting outscored by six points this year, despite being five and two. So, not great. And we're a better team this year from top to bottom than we were last year when we played them. Yes, I would agree. I yeah, so. Last year, last year when they played them, that was sort of the final straw before the Chiefs started to put things together. Because remember, then they won two games, but they won ugly in back to back weeks. Like one of those games was the uh, Jordan Love Packers game, right? Yeah. And they won like 13 mm-hmm. seven. But that was really the last game where I think every, they kind of were like, OK, Back to the drawing board. We got to fix some stuff because they were three and five. I it's think when they started playing all the rookies. They were like, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't keep playing Sorensen and Hitchens and Hughes. Yeah. And instead, what if we played Fenton and Thornhill? And it, like that was the that was probably the catalyst for we're not a good enough football team as we are currently constituted. Time to do something different. I don't. It's weird. It's weird that the Titans always have their number. I know we started the episode and we can end it this way. Like. The lack of buzz for a team. No, no team. No team has consistently beaten the Andy Reid led Chiefs more than the Tennessee Titans. They have been Whoa. the only one who has threatened them at the top of the AFC. They have they have threatened them the most at the top of the AFC. They have beaten them consistently the most. They're a weird, they're a weird team to bother the Chiefs. It shouldn't, they shouldn't as much as they do, but they have consistently. I think we watched it all the way because you remember that Patrick Mahomes run in the AFC title game. I think that it's good that they're five and three because that gets your attention. I think it's good that they kicked your ass last year. That gets your attention. I think it's good that you're coming off a bye because we know Andy Reid performs well after a bye. And I think it's good that they have had your number. All of those things mean that you're not going to treat them like you treated mm-hmm. the Colts. It's easy to overlook the Colts. There was no buzz going into that game. The Colts are not a respectable team. They're not a team that you have history with. This is all different. There's a, there's a, a million reasons why you would take this game seriously. Oh, and by the way, it's Sunday night football primetime. So all of those things tell me that if the Chiefs don't play well in this game, it's not going to be because they overlooked them. It'll just be because they didn't execute. But they always execute coming off a of bye week, which just tells me everything points towards the Chiefs having a really good game. Also, I think Mahomes is like 17 and three in primetime games, too. So that's another stat that works in his favor. And when he said that in the press conference, how they weren't ready last year, he had the fire in his eyes. So mm-hmm. he's going to come out. Hey, remember, 
Guns a blazing. I'm just glad I'm gonna be able to watch this one in prime time. That's all right. No, no, no looking for sites that may or may not have questionable legality. <laughs> and on that note, I hope you all enjoy the weekend. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. That is Nick Schwartz. He is Cody Tapp. I'm Kayla Canaram. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will be back with you on Monday for live game reaction and more.